You know, one of the things that I love about Christmas is all the different styles of music that seem to come together, and if they, they don't, if they're just varieties, but Christmas kind of makes it all fun. Does that make sense? It just, it doesn't matter whether it's jazz or pop or traditional or orchestra or what, whatever it is, because it has a central theme. And that central theme is the birth of Christ. Have you noticed that there are no great Muslim songs? Have you noticed that there are no top ten songs for Buddha and for his birthday? There are no great songs written for communist leaders. There are no great songs written to celebrate the birth of presidents. There's only one that has ever been born that was worthy of music being written about him. And the truth of the matter is, Christmas and Easter prepare us for what we're going to do for all eternity. And that's worship Jesus. He'll give us a new song. Uh, there'll be songs we've never sung, maybe sung some we have sung, but he'll give us a, a new song. But there's nothing like it. There's nothing like the music of the church, if you will. There's nothing like the music that worships and honors Jesus Christ because he is the only one that deserves that kind of worship. And so I want to speak to you this morning on good news in unsettled times. And we're in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Good news in unsettled times. Would anybody agree with me that we live in unsettled times? Amen. Well, there's four of you. <laughs> Would anybody agree with me that we live in unsettled times? Amen. So who has the answer? It's not CNN, it's not Fox, it's not the White House, it's not the governor's office. It's not the, uh, there's only one place that has the answer, and it is a throne high in heaven. And all of us need to come to grips with nothing devised by this world is going to ultimately save this world. Nothing that is designed by men and the promises of men is ever going to fix the problems of men. I, I grew up in somewhat good and troubled times. You know, I grew up when, uh, you know, everybody watched Andy Griffith, and the worst thing was the town drunk who actually let himself into jail. You know, that was, that was life. I mean, you just, you know, you, everybody, and everybody wants to go back to Mayberry, but can I tell you, Mayberry's not a real place. It's a 24-minute TV show with an incredibly funny cast. Now, you may be about to celebrate Christmas with your cousin, Ernest T. Bass. <laughs> every town's got one and every family's got one. Or you may be about to celebrate it with the gossips or whatever, you know, or the, you know, what was the family? The darlings. The darlings came to town with all their stuff and everything else and then tried to marry their daughter off. You, you, you may have those folks in your family. 
But about the time you think that that's the way life is, then you have the Vietnam War. And guys my age, wondering if we were going to be drafted and go to Vietnam, and many guys my age and people that I went to school with did not come back home. And I can say, well, I've lived through unsettled times. But I think about my parents who lived through the Great Depression, who had little to eat, hardly any money. And then right out of the Great Depression, my dad goes into World War II. And I think about Terry's parents who lived through the Depression, and then he goes to the Korean War, and three weeks into being in Korea, he is captured and he is marched all the way into China and is in a prisoner of war camp for two and a half years, thrown into a death camp because he gets sick and there was a place in that camp where they just threw dead bodies during the winter and he's thrown in there with dead bodies and lays there for three weeks until they finally realize that he's not going to die. In the latter years of his life dealt with post-traumatic stress syndrome. So if I was having a discussion with my dad or my father-in-law this year over Christmas, I think both of them would say, stop your whining. I'll trade places with you. I think my father-in-law, two and a half years in a, in a prisoner of war camp, I think he'd trade places with us right now. I think we lose perspective and we, somehow we begin to think we're the only people that have ever gone through a tough year. And, and when we talk to other people, that's the way we talk. They say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just having a tough year. And, and, and then... We try to outdo the tough year. Oh, you've had a tough year? I've had a tougher year. And we try to top each other with how tough our year has been. And I want to tell you something. You're always going to find somebody that's had a harder year than you. So you don't know the year I've had. I'm going to tell you, you'll find somebody that's had a harder year than you have pastor friend of mine died this week of COVID in a hospital uh, in Dallas. I have another pastor friend of mine that's in Colorado that is in ICU and in intensive care. And uh, I have several people that I know that have experienced death. There are people in this church that their loved ones are on the verge of death. It's a tough way to face Christmas. It's tough to face your first Christmas without a loved one. It's a tough way to face Christmas when you're dealing with death and dying. Three years ago, we were in the mountains and thought Terry's mom was doing okay. And on Christmas Eve at 10 o'clock, we get a phone call that she's died. And we have to throw everything in the car, get there as quick as we can. Christmas is always a reminder of us that what Ron Dunn said, good and evil run on parallel tracks. And they normally arrive about the same time. So I want to talk to you about 
good news in unsettled times. The first thing I'm going to do is give you the bad news. And I know that's not what you want to hear at Christmas, but we are surrounded by it anyway, so I might as well give you a biblical perspective. You see, if we're not careful, we will think this pandemic is the ultimate pandemic. And one of the reasons we think that way is the media plays it so that they can get an audience so that they make it the worst ever. But I can take you to history and you can just do a Google search of deaths through pandemics and disease and find that 25 million people in Europe died of the Black Plague. You, you, you have to get perspective and not let somebody that's reading off a teleprompter tell you what perspective is. Now, this pandemic is nothing to sneeze at, pardon the expression. We need to take it seriously. People are dying from it. But this is not the worst, and I want to tell you, if, if the vaccine works, there will be another one. Because evil never stops. It never stops. And there's not going to be this utopia that we're going to live in one day where there's no wars and there's no pandemics and there's no disease and, and there's no sorrow. That's not going to exist until the new heaven and the new earth. This kind of world was the kind of world that Christ came into. Christ came into a world of disease and death and poverty. He was born into a world in the fullness of time, full of corruption in religion. Israel was primarily a nation in bondage and servitude and hunger and poverty. And so if we go back and get perspective of the times in which good news came to this world, the world needed some good news. People needed some good news. The first century, full of disease, full of hunger, full of poverty. What did Jesus do? To prove he was Messiah, he fed people, he healed people, he raised the dead. He brought hope to people that had no hope. At the time of Christ, there had been multiple empires through the millennia of corrupt kings and corrupt kingdoms that would kill their own people on a whim, and we say, well, thank God that doesn't happen anymore. Stalin killed 60 million of his own people while fighting Germany. 60 million of his own people. Don't think that the evil of this world is going to go away until Jesus sits on the throne in Jerusalem. We're going to live in a world of evil. And we can either stick our lips out and whine about it and complain about it, or we can give good news. In fact, that's why the church is here. The church is here to give good news in unsettled times. Herod was a monster. I mean, he was an ungodly. He was half Jewish. He was the king of of Israel, and, and he is credited as a great builder. Some of you have been to Masada. It's a phenomena how they built Masada. 
because the only way up there is a snake path, and it's a narrow path that just winds all the way up. And I've walked that snake path. You go from 1,600 feet below sea level to above sea level. And uh, Garrett, you've done it, haven't you? And you did it quicker than I did it. Uh, but I've walked that path. And to build Masada the way he did with three tiers. I mean, we go to Masada, we look at it, and it's a marvel. But can I tell you, there's one little hole in the wall between the upper level and the lower level where Herod would take people that he didn't like and he would have his guards shove them out that hole so they could fall a thousand feet into the rocks. He built the temple. But he tried to appease Rome. And so he did whatever they wanted him to do to keep them happy. In his latter years, he became paranoid and even more cruel. He ultimately killed his wife. He killed her grandfather, his mother, brother-in-law, three of his sons he killed so that they couldn't inherit the throne. How'd you like to be in that family tree? And thousands of Jewish people. Caesar Augustus said of Herod, it would be better to be his pig than his son. That was evil incarnate. And so into that kind of corruption and that kind of evil and those kind of unsettled times where you never knew what was going to happen, good news came. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, In you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi, determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So the first thing we have is a king who is filled with hate and jealousy and fear, paranoia, revenge. He hid his real motives from these wise men because the minute he found out who they were looking for, the child, a child, a baby, became a threat to him. Just a side note, 
if all the babies this nation has aborted had lived, our nation might be different. We've killed 60 million people. We are no better than Stalin. Don't get on your high horse and talk about how great our country is when we slaughter babies. And do not think that the king of kings who came as a baby does not take note of what this country does to helpless children in the womb. Do not take that lightly. That is not a political statement. That is a moral statement. Thou shalt not kill. And when you kill babies, you're the ultimate killer. Just a thought. Herod said, Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? And so he sent his agents among the priests and teachers to try to dig up in the scrolls of Scripture uh, biblical accounts of where the Messiah would be born. And then he comes to these magi and he says, Go find him and let me know so I can go worship him. And when the wise men returned home, they went a different route. God spoke to their hearts and so they didn't go back to tell Herod anything They left a different way, and when Herod found out, he was furious. And he sent soldiers to Bethlehem to kill every child two years old and younger. Not a political statement, but let me make another statement. If you'll kill a baby in the womb, you'll kill a baby when it comes out of the womb. It's not that far of a step. And it should break our hearts what we have allowed because the church has been silent and we have lost our moral authority in an immoral world. And by the way, If you're against abortion, you need to be for foster care and adoption. Not just we shouldn't have abortion, but you should care about the kids that are alive, that need love and need grace and need mercy and need to know the love of Jesus. You need to care about them. It's not just, pro-life is not just the womb. Pro-life is life. I didn't need to get off on all of that, but I just felt like, well, maybe I did. Herod died not long after he had killed all these children, never having asked for or known forgiveness because he was so full of hate and so full of fear that someone would take his throne that he never went five miles to see if the prophecies of Scripture were true, and he never worshiped Jesus, and today Herod burns in an eternal hell because he wanted to kill the Son of God. Secondly, a priesthood that was corrupt and full of dead formal religion, religious leaders had become professionals uh, by this time. They had moved from 
a set-apart Levites to this whole system of religion. They have moved from the 10 laws to over 600 laws that they created. Jesus said they add burdens to the people. I mean, they, they oppressed people. They extorted people. That's why Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers in the temple. They just added more laws. And for some of them, it was just a job. Just a job. The problem is, Jesus condemned these people as being whitewashed tombs and of their father, the devil. But once the fires of the early church began to burn out, and the Catholic church began to come up with all its formalism and its decorum and everything else, and you can go and... You know, you could go to a church and see the wood from the cradle. I mean, please. You can go to multiple, hundreds of churches and find the nails from the cross. You can go to churches and find the skull of Peter. Multiple churches. And once religion became a prophet center, instead of a proclamation of the gospel... Preachers became hirelings. And in Europe, primarily the preachers and the parish leaders were chosen by the rich landowners or by the kings, and they were not men of faith, and they were not men of the word, and they were not men of God. They were just paid to say whatever would not offend the person who was paying their bills. And so they would be provided a home and a salary and they would have a job and they would get up and preach and they would read the scripture. But these men were by and large lost. It took the Reformation with Martin Luther. It took the Great Awakening with Wesley and Whitfield to say to a lost religion of Christianity, the religion, not the faith of Christianity, you aren't doing what God said. There is a real faith in Jesus Christ. There is a real calling for a man in ministry. When Herod called them to accountability, they said, oh, well, he's over there. But they told him what he wanted to hear, but they didn't do anything about it. They didn't go and look and say, you know, Herod... I think the prophecy's been fulfilled. I really think it's Messiah. You see, they knew the scriptures, but they refused to acknowledge the Savior revealed in the scriptures. They had no interest in good news in an unsettled time because they had what they wanted. They knew the book of Micah, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people. These religious leaders had set up a system that made people fear them and worship them and serve them, but not fear God and worship him. And so when you get to the Gospels, you see Jesus 
coming after the scribes and Pharisees. Why? Because they didn't represent his father. Let me tell you something, folks. Any preacher that doesn't represent the father needs to examine if he's called. And any preacher that will tell a politician what he wants to hear is not called. Nathan could have lost his life for telling David he was a sinner. But the call of God on his life was more important than David liking him. And on both sides, we have preachers that cuddle up and cuddle with people that are in positions of power. But ladies and gentlemen, one day every man of God is going to stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and give an account of who we really bowed to. And it better be Jesus or he may say, depart from me. I never knew you. They didn't even bother to tag along with these wise men to see if the prophecies were true. 2,000 years later, little has changed. Now, I'm grateful to live in the greatest country in the world. But let's face it. We have corruption in politics. We have corrupt politicians. We have scams and schemes. If I see one more political ad, I may just jump off a cliff. I am so tired of this. We are to be better than this. If I couldn't win an election on my platform and what I'm for and not attack the other person personally, I don't deserve an office. If I got to run somebody down to build myself up, I'm not a leader. I don't care whether it's a president or a city council member. If you got to run somebody down to get elected and to build yourself up, there is no character in that person. And the problem is, we don't really believe that. We don't really believe that. We, we sit and watch ads and listen to people go, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, call them, for, call them what they are. And while we're doing that, a world is going to hell. And we're not sharing good news. The time we have spent arguing, fussing, spitting, and cussing about the election, we could have seen tens of thousands of people come to faith in Christ who are wondering where this nation is going. Dead churches lack power. We've lost our moral high ground. We've lost the voice of the prophet. We have compromised. We negate the authority of Scripture. We have no respect for Christian values and beliefs. And you wonder why our nation is becoming increasingly anti-Christ, anti-church, and anti-Christian. Because the world will resist the one who demands that you repent 
and make Jesus Lord of your life. Herod resisted the rule of Messiah, clearly revealed in Scripture. Why? Because he could not imagine anybody else ruling over him. Today, people want their rights, and they forget the rights of others because they want their rights, and they don't care about anybody else's rights. And so we have chaos and anarchy. The world is always fighting against the rule of God Almighty. And our flesh is always fighting against yielding control to Jesus as Lord. The world offers false religions and philosophies and false hope and false systems because they refuse to bow to Jesus. Now you can get people to talk about God. Just don't bring up Jesus. You can get people to, you know, God bless America, one nation under God, but try to talk about Jesus. I mean, just try to talk about Jesus. And you'll watch the tone change and you'll watch people lock up. Because Jesus demands that you bow before him. Jesus demands that you give your life to him in surrender. It's not the role of the pastor to make sure you're involved in politics. It's not the role of the pastor to make sure that you give yourself to secondary projects. It is the role of the pastor to make sure that you know that Jesus is the only answer for the sin problem in this world. He's the only answer to the depravity of this world. To put even good things first. And Jesus' second distorts who Jesus is and why he came. So today, everything can change. So I want to submit to you, today could be a day of good news. I've told you as much bad news as you wanted to hear. And some of you are sitting there thinking, Dear Lord, I should have stayed home and just watch cartoons. But you know, good news is not good news until you know how bad the bad news is. And until we call bad news bad news and not just news, until we call it what it is, we can't say what good news is. Because there's a plumb line for good news. Today could be that day. This is a world that's been crazy. 2020 has been crazy. We've been in shutdown, lockdown. We've all gained weight. Uh, I mean, we, you know, stretchy pants, and then you just all of a sudden, you know, I mean, pajamas all the time. Just, just do anything to get out of the house, and then you're scared to get out of the house. And we don't know where all of this is going. And people are angry and people are fearful and suicides are up, child abuse is up. Do you understand that children not going to school, it, children in school is one of the primary ways that we find out that they are being abused in their homes? We have to take seriously the times in which we live, but there is good news. There is hope 
for those who want things to be different. Christmas is the promise of good news. It is full of joy. The wise men came to Jesus. You and I can come to Jesus. And I want to invite you today to worship him and to bow down before him. They were led to Jesus by a star. We are led to Jesus by the study of the scriptures and by the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. None of us are here by accident. Nobody is watching online right now by accident. You are here and listening, if you're still listening, for a reason. You're not here by accident. God has you here for a purpose, that you would hear and see and know that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. For the Magi, it was a star. For the shepherds, it was the angel. For Simeon in the temple, it was the Spirit. For you, it could be a family member or a friend or just you know you needed Jesus. The Bible encourages us to seek Him. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him. While he is near. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Zephaniah 2, 3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Amos 5, 6. Seek the Lord and live. Spurgeon had a Christmas sermon entitled, The Far Off Near, The Near Far Off, where he contrasted the Magi who were in Persia, current day Iran and Iraq, with Herod and the priests who were in Judah. Herod and the priests were just a few miles. They were near to Bethlehem, but they were far off in their hearts. The priests who knew the prophecies were near, but they were far off in their hearts. They never bothered to check to see if the prophecies had been fulfilled. The wise men, who were Gentiles, lived far off, but they made the journey to get to the star, follow it to Jesus, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Jesus was born to save us. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came as a virgin-born baby. He lived a sinless life. And he came to give his life a ransom for many. He came to die for you and for me. And I want to invite you to give your life to him today. Would you bow your heads with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the Bible, the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. The Bible says that God so loved the world, that's you and that's me, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to be good news. The gospel, the word gospel means good news. Good news in a bad news world. There are no stories in the news about good things. You rarely hear anybody talking about good news and good things. But if you read the Bible and see that God loved you, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you, the just for the unjust. That's good news. You say, well, I don't deserve it. None of us do. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. It's a free gift of God through Jesus Christ. You can't be baptized and get it. You can't join a church and get it. It comes by grace through faith so that we don't boast in that we had anything to do because we had nothing to do with our salvation. Is all of Jesus. You can't save yourself, you can't keep yourself, and you cannot get yourself into heaven. It is only through Jesus that you can do that. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you to pray. In a moment, we're going to stand. The praise team's going to sing. And I'm going to invite you to step out and to come and find one of these staff members at the end of the aisle and tell them you need to be saved. We're, we're masked up. We're practicing social distancing. But I'm going to invite you to, to find one of them and say, I need to trust Jesus today. Listen, the religious people, Herod, they wouldn't travel five miles. You've got to go less than 50 yards. Some of you don't even have to go 50 feet. But today could be the day of salvation. Today could be the day of good news in unsettled times. So let me pray for you. And then, would you just, when we stand, would you step out and would you come? Father, I pray for people to be saved today. Lord, everybody you called, you called publicly. You called us to yourself, sinners in need of a Savior. Lost people dead in trespasses and sin. Our good works were like filthy rags, but you saved us and changed us. I pray that you would do that just like the young man who walked through the baptismal waters today, gave his life to you. I pray for life change today. Those watching by streaming, those that are in the room, I pray for life change. Would you stand and would you step out? As the minute you stand, would you just step out and would you come while they sing?